Gravitane Podcast. Gain Gravitane, you have Jeff here. Before we dive into the show today, we have some exciting news that we've been holding on to. As of this month, Gain Grow Retained is officially part of the HubSpot Podcast Network, and this becomes a really important milestone for our community and brings more validation to customer success. Uh, something I love about the HubSpot Podcast Network is all the inspiring shows dedicated to helping professionals learn, grow, and scale their businesses. Uh, if you love Gain Grow Retain and want to check out other shows like us, I'm a big fan of First Mil- My First Million, I Digress, and The Salesman. Check out all these shows and more at HubSpot.com slash podcast network. You have it and are, and are offering customers. Um, for example, for myself, it's more so we try our best to cut off at a, at a certain ARR point who's going to be in the scale bucket or digital bucket versus a, a dedicated customer success manager. Of course, we have to be a little bit flexible sometimes. Uh, there are moments where we have customers who maybe we have mutual investors where it's better to have a dedicated CSM than to put them in a, in a low touch pool. Um, we do have other circumstances where we might have landed at a subsidiary, but there's potential to uh, grow into the parent company or other subsidiaries. So we might want to attach a CSM there. Uh, and then, of course, we have uh, Naveen, where all of his customers are usually very, very high touch because in a professional service engagement, it's ongoing. The ball is always being uh, um, rolled to another, another goalpost. Um, so it really depends on the, the industry that you're in, the product that you're in. Uh, but at the end of the day, you have to be a little bit flexible. Uh, there, there will be exceptions. Um, mm-hmm. and we need to be able to provide value at all levels. Absolutely. And let, so I re- really love what I'm hearing. And we, we, my understanding is obviously the, first, the starting point is around segmentation, uh, being able to segment your client properly. Uh, but the, the big question I wanted to ask you, how once you have a client who is used to be at a high touch level, how do you quote unquote downgrade this client based on they say it's a, his or her segmentation based on the investment to a low to a low touch yeah that's a very good question so at, at least from my experience because we didn't talk about that scenario in the group um from my experience uh let's say we have a customer who has been with us for a very long time they're they're at their max capacity they don't see a lot of growth um they have a lot of product knowledge and subject matter experts certificates galore of our platform. Then we have a really frank conversation and say, what does the uh, right engagement look like for your team? Do you really need a dedicated customer success manager? With that comes mutual sequence of events like uh, you know, quarterly QBRs, uh, more training and enablement. If you feel this isn't the time well spent with your team, how would you like your engagement to look like? And if it sounds more like tech touch or low touch, there's a transition period of about six or so months where the name might still be attached to to me, but it goes into digital pool uh, activity streams. Uh, And if Mm -hmm. everything still feels right, it's sort of a mutual decision because at least in Mm -hmm. my case, in in my company, um, CSMs aren't an additional charge. So for them, it's, it's not a cost savings or or situation like that. It's literally just, what type of engagement they're looking for. So it's you essentially charging the client 
to have an, a dedicated customer success in your line of business to add more value. That's, this is actually another very good conversation. I see, thank you. Thank you, Katya, I appreciate it. Thank you. Andrew? So I have a, I have a client that um, recently went through this process and uh, the, the best advice that I can give, and this is what they, they did, is they spent a lot of time working on the copy, thinking about it from the what's in it for me perspective from the customer. Uh, and the feedback I got from, uh, I, I got a couple of pieces of feedback from people that didn't even know that I was connected to this client as we were talking about it on one of the group coaching calls. Uh, and they said, you know what, we got downgraded, but I've been a customer for a long time. And the way that they positioned it, the way that they framed it, uh, and the way that they made it sound like it was going to benefit me, because it's not about you as the vendor, it's about the customer. How's this? What's in it for me? They spent the time, they put together, they test, tested some of the messaging, uh, and, it, and it came across really well. And, and it's so much so that the person said, if you know somebody there, please convey to them that uh, I, was, I, was, uh, I was pleased with the way that they communicated it. And I went ahead and shared that, that feedback with her VP of customer success, who I know. And, uh, and, and she, was, she was ecstatic that that's the reaction. They, they, had, they had hoped to get that kind of reaction. Uh, but yeah, they, they over-indexed on spending time on the copy and the with them you know, from the Whiffham's perspective, made all the, all the difference in the world. I really love that, Andrew. Thanks for, and thanks for those insights. And what I'm hearing here is obviously focusing on the client, but really what I'm hearing is the way you communicate to the client, which makes a huge difference. We had that conversation uh, last week. It's at the end of the day, especially during this challenging time, is really human to human, being authentic and being transparent with the client. This is a situation, this is how we, you can benefit from our understanding and have this conversation and find um, a mutual agreed, agreed next steps. Thanks, Andrew, really appreciate it. Uh, Josh. Yeah, hey, I wanted to go and just chime in for the group that I was in. Uh, we had uh, Josh Actor, um, Matt Makiski, um, Wiley, just go Rachel, Kevin, Amanda, John, and uh, Tyler. Um, and I think I messed up the the pronunciation, so I'm sorry uh, for the two in the beginning. All right, um, one of the things that we talked about is um, in this low and, and uh, this high, low and tech touch is that you can be looking at your customers not as one or the other, but this ephemeral uh, vacillation, like, um, vacillation between uh, pets and cattle. And um, so that's one of these ways is that we can go and look at the numbers, look at the action of whatever um, markers you have to go and determine when a human engages. And therefore, um, one of the things that I'd offer the group, don't know that this was a, a universal on this, a universal agreement on this, but um, we might be able to say we have um, the intention of low touch versus high touch. And you know, just to go in and say it, like if you are, going and doing custom emails to each of your low touch people, then in essence, they're high touch and it's your processes and tooling that changes them. If you look at them as a state, not as a, you know, uh, a single position. Thank you, Jeff. I have, I've never thought about that. So from one understanding is, and it goes back a little the way you communicate to that is repackaging 
the way you interact with the client by understanding what is in for the client and adapting your own internal tooling and processes to make it sound less low touch essentially and keep this trend of this conversation flowing without giving the impression to the client that he has been quote unquote downgraded. Is that yeah, that's exactly right. Summarized? Yeah, everything that, that Andrew said before about going and spending time on the, on, you know, what is my intended flow? Um, what is the copy that assess, that uh, uh, supports that flow? And then being able to say, hey, um, you know, you know I, I might deal with only a handful of high touch clients, but there's nothing stopping me from using a template email um, okay. that comes from my email address. And then when they reply, it comes to me. Um, so that is a strategy to basically try to scale yourself even in high touch environments. Um, you know, inside of uh, the company I, I now work for, I use that same idea. And I'm just like, you know, everybody, here's a template. Hopefully it'll be 80% of what you need. Maybe some days it'll be a hundred, but still uh, at least you don't need to write everything. Appreciate that. Thanks. Thank you, Josh. Boaz? I, I normally join organizations when the plan is to scale up the CS. So we, we often deal, I often deal with this question of how do you change from the very early stage startup where there's a lot of heavy touch with early customers to a more scalable organization. And what, what I've learned along the years is that trying to change the level of service for an individual customer that was used to talk to the founder or get a lot of time. It never works. Sorry. You end up spending more time. You end up spending more time trying to figure out them, talk to the founder or the CEO, or the head of product that used to service them before. My advice is figure out those normally very, very few customers that get higher level of service than you want and say, that's okay. It doesn't matter. We'll grow with another hundred or thousand or 5,000 new customers. For the new customers, we'll establish the right level of service. For these ones, grandfather them. You don't need to be official about it. Just give them a higher level of service, keep them happy. You'll end up spending less time fighting it than just doing it. Thanks, guys. It actually reminds me of a conversation I had a few weeks ago with the sales team, like sales versus customer success, that is essentially for a company less expensive to keep their, to protect the base, to keep their existing portfolio of clients happy and renewing rather than going after new logos. So what I'm hearing here, thank you, is to grandfather existing client, keep them happy, even if the stream of revenue remains the same, but then moving forward, applying the new strategy in place as the vendor is growing, you, you have, thank you, to essentially adapt to the new demand. Appreciate that, thank you. Anyone else for this first questions? This could be a, a topic for a whole hour, but happy to move to the next, the second one. So how can we document feedback collected? What kind of tool do you, are you using? So what I'm hearing here is any type of document, any type of feedback you receive from the client. What I'm hearing is how you are collecting that 
those, those insights, but as well applying those um, insight and feedback to deliver better service, to, be, to, de to make your clients happier and secure this space. Anyone in. would like to yeah, start? I'll, I'll try and go ahead, Joshua. A, unique, a little bit of a unique environment. We have pretty high to medium touch customers and we do a one-to-one -one for feedback. We do not send out surveys for our jet or for our big feedback session with the customer. We do what we call is our feedback session, where it's a one-on-one -on -one, uh, Zoom meeting or you know Teams meeting, video face-to-face, -face, and we have a survey prepared. We do not send it out. We do, we don't ever hit submit to the to the customer. We make it a conversation with them. I've always found that surveys you only get so much data. It's the context in the conversation that you get much more data. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll have survey questions. I'll let them know in advance. Yeah, there's some typical type of survey questions, rate your analyst, for example, but I'll tell them what I really wanna know is why. What's the, what's the reasoning behind these things? Um, and then I'll ask a lot of open-ended questions as well, as well as, um, you know, questions for NPS, so on and so forth. But we keep it to about 45 minutes and I, I let them know uh, at the beginning of the end, this is important and we will get back to you with any uh you know action items this is not something that goes into a black hole um it is something that we're going to act upon and uh circulate the information within the organization uh so to kind of the summarize that instead of sending out a survey we go ahead and, and ask questions in a one-on-one -on -one format and then we input that information into an external tool like a survey monkey and we hit submit, so it's all you know, it's all there. And then we also enter the information into the customer's record in Salesforce. This is great, and it goes back to a conversation, uh, to uh, an article I read a few weeks ago about NPS and how sometimes having too much data just prevent us from making the right decision strategically. Like it's kind of being a, like I have a three, my um, my three and a half years old going to a candy store. There is just too much. And I think we are victim of that amount of data and really like what I'm hearing Joshua about reaching out to the client, taking 15, 20 minutes to go through on this one-on-one to get his or her feedback, asking those open questions, but really diving into the why and being able then to present action items following the conversation and how those feed this feedback will impact the way you are interacting with client and delivering the services. Yeah, and we also set their expectation early in our engagement with them that we have set aside a dedicated time to do this. So we've set the expectation that we want to, and then we reiterate that when we're getting ready to schedule that session with them. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. We wanted to take a minute. And if you haven't implemented a CRM system into your business, now is the time. A CRM platform is at the heart of scaling your side hustle into your success story. CRM platforms take any customer interaction and transform that interaction into valuable data and insights, allowing you to strengthen relationships with your customers and grow your business. With tools for marketing, sales, customer service, content management, and operations, the HubSpot CRM platform is fully customizable for whatever your business needs. Use HubSpot to meet customer demand, align your teams, and work smarter without slowing down. With total control and over 650 integrations, HubSpot is totally customizable and purpose-built for businesses big and small. Whether you're just getting started or looking for all the bells and whistles, HubSpot is the number one CRM platform for scaling businesses. Learn more about how you can customize your CRM platform with HubSpot at HubSpot.com.
Now back to the show. Anyone else? I can go for. Uh, go ahead, Ben. Yeah, I can go for group two. The two things that came we spoke most about was um, some kind of tagging system. So everyone's using different systems to collect feedback, whether it's from a survey, phone calls, emails, whatever it is, but some simple way. And I think it was Jeff Heckler and our team is the one to talk about this the most. I think Maduro uses it some too, but the concept of just a simple tagging system where the CSM can quickly flag it in the moment saying this is whether it's product or a complaint or an at risk or something that goes up the chain and then can be easily, you know, a BI tool or a team can then categorize it, dump it somewhere together that it can be re reviewed by leadership or someone else. So that, that was the biggest thing is like, how are you tagging it? So it's an easy way to flag the data and so it all kind of comes together whether whatever the source is up, up the chain. Uh, and the other we talk, talked about, um, I, think, I think it's Jeff that uses this too, uh, some kind of call recording, like, a, you know, obviously originally a sales team used it most, the gong or tools like that that would record. Uh, and, you know, if you kind of go back and, and pull maybe some feedback that way, stuff that maybe the CSM didn't uh, categorize or things that maybe um, didn't come back down as feedback, it's there, find a way to pull that out through keywords. Uh, so those two things talk about uh, tagging and, and potential phone, phone recording systems that do some of the work for you, uh, what we talked about. Perfect. And how do you, Ben, how are you applying this insight? Like how you essentially purpose of this conversation and the surveys and these data is to make better decisions to actually, essentially what I'm hearing is always to go back to protecting your base and growing this, uh, growing your, your, um, your client investment with you. So how do you implement your insight into concrete planner to go to actually deliver a better service and so on? Uh, so the way we do that uh, is you know, we have the weekly leadership meetings where we'll I'll pull up the feedback we've heard, things I think are the, what I feel are, you know, maybe the top five or six things that are critical. And as a group, we'll talk about it from the CFO to the product to the CEO, and we'll, we'll narrow down, okay, yeah, these things keep bubbling up. Let's move this into priority. I think this is Jeff, I maybe mean, he can speak up too, but mentioned that it's, it's all about um, opportunity loss. Uh, compared to, you know, either opportunity loss or risk and said, okay, which of these this feedback loop is gonna have the biggest impact on either loss opportunity or lost revenue. And that's what, you know, mm -hmm. kind of a point system there saying, yeah, this is where we're gonna um, need to focus. And so each week they're reviewing the feedback with those certain tags that are gonna, you know, products have to decide either implement this or don't implement this based on the, the risk. Perfect. Thank you. So yeah. really to identify the insight that is a lot, that will have the larger impact in your revenue stream mm -hmm. and then take action on that. Thank you, Ben. Andrew? I'm sorry, I thought you were about to share something or Jeff, mm -hmm. I think you no, had your hand. I mean, that, okay, Jeff, you had your, raise uh, your hand. I was just going to say things I've done and what I advise other other people to do is whether you have a homegrown CS system or using Google Sheets or you have you know uh, Gainsight or Tatango, whomever. Um, in the in the moment, if your your CSMs can tag what the I don't call them future requests, I call them feature ideas or product ideas. Um, but that allows in in the moment to tag what the it, what if you can get it down to its base granularity, what it is that. Uh, they're looking for, or what is at risk? What's holding up? What's the showstopper? Boiling it down to its most finite, fixable, um, or mission add item for both product engineering and and, and engineering support. Um, taking those and then collating them up, and so 
if it's, uh, you know, whatever that happens to be, finding where it go, comes across your team, finding a common label for these items mm-hmm. going across your team, finding out how many customers, but it's not really about the customer count. It's about the customer uh, a, NRR at, at risk uh, that if it's a current issue or opportunity on the, on the sales side, throw that over the fence to your salespeople and, and, and your product marketing people. Um, and then boiling that up. So if we see that four or five times, six, seven times, how much is, what's the dollar amount? And then what we did was uh, we usually do is pump that into a Google sheet or Excel, keep a running tab of that, mm-hmm. meet with the stakeholders in the, across the company. Uh, so product, uh, engineering, marketing, sales uh, monthly, and say, here's, here's what we're looking at. And these are the top five. They, these are the ones we always see month after month or, or whatever have you. Those can get rolled into missions potentially, depending upon um, you know, what their, their weight is. You can get executive push behind it if the number is large enough from an NRR perspective. And, and it gives co-ownership that wouldn't we all want to either save or grow uh, revenue? So that is operationally how to, how to get it done across the board. And it, it really empowers your CSMs. I mean, if they're constantly Absolutely. coming up with, hey, this is what we've got, this we've got, let's oper- you know, let's take it all the way up the chain. And what I, I also, I said it, in some call, call platforms, you can record these bits. And so I lead with data, pad with storytelling, use those bits, those sound bites, 30, 45 seconds, share those with the, the other teams so they can not only see the numbers, but also hear the voices. Appreciate that. Thanks, Jeff. And this is something that I've been we're doing quite well. We, we created this SaaS ops community. And I, I'm, I'm hearing that like between, um, between scheduling this one-on-one with a client directly, you're scheduling this group conversation. So requesting the clients to submit their own feature request, pain point. I literally, we created this uh, SaaS ops community and we're leveraging a platform called AHA. And this is an opportunity for us for the, for the user to actually submit some of their pain point. This is, those are the area where we are struggling with specific product, with specific feature. This is our expectation of your product. And as well, by the way, it would be amazing to have this additional module or product. And we combine that on a roadmap and we have the same, we have the same principle on Slido. We can, our client, when they are part of this community can like or dislike. And the more like we have on specific feature, the more likely we are to focus and invest in the development of this new product. And being again, very transparent with the client, everything is shared and open and we're inviting our client to review that. Um, So what I'm hearing here is really about around document feedback, how to collect them, one-on-one, creating a community, so thanks, Jeff, submitting this um, kind of feature request, collecting this data, sharing the data internally, making decision. Amanda, you need to take off. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and perfect. We, we, have an, we just have under 10 minutes together, uh, and I would love to cover the third question being, but first of all, if there is anyone who would like to share their opinion on the second question. Or shall we move to the third one? Ah, Maduro, please go ahead. Uh, hey, Bertel, I was actually was, was going to say the third one, but uh, yeah, actually for my group for the second one, they already covered, so both Jeff and, uh, uh, you know, uh, like uh, both, uh, both of them have covered everything. So I don't think I have anything to add on the second one. So let's move to the third one. Go ahead, Maduro. 
Uh, on the third one, yeah, I, I actually uh, really remember my time a few years ago when I joined in as the first, uh, you know, like as uh, in new to the leadership. I've realized creating ritual has helped us a lot, uh, you know, creating those one-on-ones, uh, going through that, having those team meetings, uh, team lunches, team drinks and all. So I think that helped a lot in creating a very good rapport and working with the team uh, as coherently as possible. Obviously, it's a behavioral change, takes a while. Um, uh, so that kind of, you know, but that having those rituals, especially the one-on-ones has helped me the most. Uh, uh, from our group, uh, um, uh, Cindy brought up a good point that, you know, how do you also manage in the initial stages, uh, the people above you uh, along with the people below you? So basically what is their priorities and how do you align that? So I think uh, from our side, what we did was uh, finding out what are the quick wins, focusing on them for the very first quarter, but focusing on strategies for the longer terms. So that's how we kind of, you know, uh, or at least I worked in, uh, with our team. So I think uh, to answer one is, uh, you know, creating rituals. Rituals help a lot in the longer term, especially one-on-ones mm-hmm. and team meetings and all. Uh, and even some of the eccentric ones, which are, you know, you don't need to always have official versions of it. We, I actually prefer an, a little bit unofficial because people get a lot more, you know, they, they get together a lot better when you, when you are uh, over a lunch or sharing a drink or something like that. So those helped mm-hmm. a lot with the teams. And then uh, on the strategy side of things, I think focusing on quick wins first and then longer term strategies as a you know, uh, long term. I appreciate thing. that. Thank you. So what I'm hearing is as a new uh, CS, uh, CS leader joining a team, it's the first thing that I think that the team beneath this leader fear is ch- the change. Like what's going to change? What are we going to have to learn? What's, what's going to happen? Is my is my job safe? And so what I'm hearing here is first managing up, making sure that as a leader, you are aligned with the vision of the CEO and the C-level of your employer, and then kind of translating that into motion for the people who are reporting to you and almost, and again, humanizing the process and making sure that we're all comfortable. What I'm hearing as well is making sure that you have enough information from your team to understand current processes, how they're doing things and adapting from there. But yes, it's an internal change management job as well. Um, I'm so what you said, but ahead, I think one, one thing really interesting pops up and I've, uh, I think most of the people here would agree that managing a client and managing a team have a lot of similarities in terms of making sure, you know, you're translating what is your company's objective with the team, having a very good, you know, uh, this thing. So I think both of them would be very similar and aligned. I very much agree. I I would love to have, and I'm sorry, I'm going to ask us to actually share some insights on when you join a new when you join a new vendor and you are about to lead this new team. How do you? What are the first 30, 60, 90 days? How are you connecting with the team? What are your processes? Oh, Eli, sorry, Eli. Yeah, so I'm, ahead, uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, no, I'm gonna unpause, and I do need to jump in a couple of minutes. I'm in the I'm in the throes of that right now. I joined about six weeks ago to a team already existing, um, where our head of commercialization needed to step up, and they needed somebody to kind of run the ship. So the first the first step, first and foremost, I have found is 
take a deep look into how people are spending their time and find low hanging fruit where you can either automate a task or figure out what's already, what's currently just working by habit, but does not make any sense. And with fresh eyes, you'd be surprised what you can pick off that tree really quickly, which is an excellent way to make allies and make friends and, you know, making people's lives and work easier. Um, having them see you as not somebody who's going to not just like, like automate to the point you're with the team. You're just the guy who calls the calls. Like, you know, you're, mm -hmm. you're on the sidelines, but, um, they're out there, give credit to your team, like really, you know, work to support them. Um, I try to frame every end of my conversation with how can I support you rather than like, here's what I need you to do. Um, meaning like, I already know that they already have jobs and stuff, but I leave off with like, you give me a task that I need to accomplish for you so that we can, we can hit talk next week. And like, you're going to be better at what you do because I want you to be better and you want to be better and, and let's make that happen. Um, so those have been a couple of things that I've, I've started to do. Um, also just kind of organizing people's responsibilities, especially in a startup environment where there's a lot of crossover and mixed wires, like untangling people from each other and you know, kind of giving them their lanes and so forth, um, I find makes everybody's sanity go up and, and you know, better at what they do. Um, so that's where I am currently uh, in the process of procuring and implementing a CS platform, which is exciting also. Um, and so that will also help kind of solidify people into like go mode. Perfect. Well, thank you. Thank you, Eli, for that. I'm hearing a lot of really good things. Sorry, Boaz, I had to cut up. Uh, we are one minute away. I just wanted to, again, thanks everyone to take the time. I know it's it's always busy, so really appreciate you taking the time. I'm going to submit again this uh, link to, to vote for your top 100 customer success. Andrew, thank you. Yes, Mr. please. Mager, yeah, don't forget to vote for the top 100, please. Yes, and you have a ton of lists here available online, mm -hmm. so please mm -hmm. vote. Thanks again, and we uh, catch up next week. Have a wonderful weekend. Thanks, everyone. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Cheers. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.